Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Cool. So, anyway, tonight we are talking. We basically, we're doing, we've been doing a series called On Fire. I'm going to say On Fire. On Fire, okay? Ooh, that's cool. And basically, we were talking about how do you keep your heart on fire for the Lord, right? How, how do you, because it's so easy to have these amazing experiences with God, and then like a month later, you're just kind of like, man, what happened? You know, has anyone ever done that? Like a summer camp or like a crazy experience or you have a worship experience, you're crying and snotting or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you have a moment with God and it's amazing. You're like, this is it. I'm never coming down. And then a month later, you're like, I don't even know. Was that real? Did that actually happen? So we've been talking about how do you keep your heart burning on fire for the Lord at all times? And we talked, uh, I encourage you guys, if you didn't hear it, go back on the Crux cast uh, and listen to those to kind of catch up, okay? So, but basically, we, tonight what I want to talk about, I'm just going to, I want to talk about partnering with God. Because there's this, this idea of you have to, to keep your heart burning with the Lord, do what he's doing. Look for what, what is God blessing? Where is he moving? And do that, and it's going to keep your heart on fire. And so uh, we, David and I, we went to Nepal together. We, he was there. I saw him, right? And we were in Nepal. We were trekking through the Himalayan mountains. It was awesome, right? And we went to, when we were in Kathmandu, there was this crazy moment where we went to this Buddha statue, and it was the biggest Buddha statue there. It was how big was that thing, man? That was the golden one. It was easy, a hundred feet. Like it was, it was crazy. It was a giant statue of Buddha, right? And we get there and they're doing a Buddha, like a Buddhist conference. You know, they do Christian conferences. It was like a Buddhist conference. And it was like if an amazing guest speaker came in, they had one of their, not the Dalai Lama guy, but one of his disciple guys, they're speaking about Buddhism, right? And this is when we go and we prayed and we felt God said, go, and we didn't know this was going to happen. So we get there and we're like, oh crud, <laughs> right? Like we're here. It's illegal to be Christian here. We're going to get kicked out. All this stuff, right? My team's looking to me saying, Taylor, what do we do? And on the outside, I'm trying to be carried together and look all courageous. And on the inside, I'm freaking out. I'm like, we're going to get kicked out. This is illegal, right? To be a Christian in this area. And then, so I said, you know what? Let's just worship, right? And, and I felt there was this moment of, do I partner with what the Lord had said to do, or out of fear, do we say, you know what, guys, this probably is not the best time, right? And so I said, you know, let's just do it anyway, but I don't know what to do, so let's just worship. One, it's uh, always good to worship when you don't know what to do. Two, it's going to buy me time as a leader to figure out what to do, right? So basically, just being brutally honest, so we're, we're worshiping, and then I, I just was like, God, what do you want to do? Uh, I feel like we're meant to be here. Don't let me, like, succumb to fear. And then basically, this guy comes up to me, and he just says, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, this is the moment I can either get kicked out, right? Or this is the moment uh, where God does something and I have a choice once again. Do we say, oh, no, nothing. We're just playing music because they don't, you know, they don't really realize what we're doing. Because we're ser- seriously, we're sitting underneath the Buddha statue, straight up worshiping God, like acoustic guitar, worshiping like eight of us or whatever, right? What we just did in front of a Buddha statue and a Buddhist conference and a Buddhist nation, right? <laughs> and so, right, and we're there and... 
I say to the guy, and I remember the choice, do I partner with God, do I, do I stand up, or do I succumb, and do I go down? And I, and I remember thinking, I'm going, oh, I don't know what to do. And finally, I just told him, you know what, we're actually worshiping Jesus. Can I tell you about him? And the guy says, sure, but I'm a teacher for the local college area, or for, no, it was, they were bringing like a field trip in of, of students. Can my students hear about it as well? And I'm thinking, Okay, and so I say, sure, and he waves his hand, and like 40 students come walking over, and then we're like, oh, God, like, (laughs) this is a lot, so we stand up on a bench in front of the Buddhist statue, 100 feet tall, it's our open air at a Buddhist conference at a Buddhist statue, preaching the gospel of Jesus, and I remember we're sitting there, and I'm doing the altar call, and I literally said, you can either have Jesus or that guy right? You can't have both. You have to choose one. And we saw, I think it was like a hundred percent. We saw all of them raise their hands, give their lives to the Lord. And what I, what I loved is in that moment, there were other people there. There were pastors there who got encouraged, came up to me and said, we've been praying here for years for God to move. We've never seen anything like this. And then we went uh, another time, we went, we were up in a town called Muktina, right? And we get up there and I remember though, once again, there was no ministry. It wasn't, you weren't gonna get plugged into a ministry. We just had to pray and say, okay, God, what are you doing? And then be brave and step out and do it. And we were, we were there and there was nothing. And I remember thinking, well, we gotta do something, Right, we got God's God said to come here. We have to do something. And there's weird pressure as a leader. You want to see people get saved. You want your team to have a good time. You don't want them to like they paid all this money to fly all the way out here for you to be like, well, I don't think we're doing anything. You know, like no, we're here. We're doing this right. So I just said, hey, let's just go around town, tell everyone that there's these American people who have who have something to tell you and have like a drama to show you at six o'clock at this area. And so we just did. We just walked around and told people, right? And then about 80 people showed up. And now we actually got to do something, right? And so we did our little, this little drama thing. And then we get up and we preach the gospel. And then we start, we call out healing. There's a guy, his deaf ear got healed on the spot. There's a Buddhist monk who started hearing God, literally heard the audible voice of God for the first time and heard God say, Jesus told him, I am God. For a Buddhist monk to hear the audible voice of Jesus saying, I am God, like that's gonna, he, he, he's got some thinking to do now, right? And so that we saw all these people get saved. We saw a police officer get saved and they said, my cadets need to hear about this. So he pulls over his cadets, they get saved. Now the police force in this area is now Christian. And then basically then all the guy, the guy who had the hotel, we just happened to meet in front of, he's saved now. And he says, we can start meeting in front of, we can meet, I love, he just does this naturally. He says, why don't we just meet up as like the Christians here now and talk in my house? And you're like, you mean like a church plant, you know? And it's like, and so the Christians are meeting there now and there's a Christian, the first Christian group ever in that region, ever. And what's crazy is, oh man, I was so thankful that we took a risk and stepped out. We had to go out and partner with what God was doing. Luke 14, 23 says, so his master said, go out into the country lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. This is what it felt like. We said, we went out and we had to compel people to come in. We had to invite people. We said, please come at six o'clock. It's gonna be great, (laughs) right? God is looking 
for partnership. He's asking you, go out and do something. He's not looking to do everything for you. This is weird. We believe, we've believed a lie that says if God wants to do it, he will. He's sovereign, so he will. And we've used it as an excuse to become passive. And we've just said, well, if God wants to do it, it'll happen. And we've turned it to where we're the victim of God's will. Rather than being victorious and partnering with his will, we're just the victim of this God who does stuff. And well, I guess if he wants to, it'll happen, whatever. And it's, it's a victim mentality that says, I'm helpless. And I guess if God, wants, if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me. If God wants to save people through me, then it'll just happen. If God wants me to be passionate, well, then he'll ignite my heart on fire. If God wants my life to be right, then, then he'll fix it. And then we have the craziness to then blame God when our life is off. And then we actually blame him as victims. We put it off onto God and we say, your fault that I'm not passionate. It's your fault that I feel distant. It's your fault that you're not moving through my life. And we put it all off onto him rather than partnering with him to see him come. I could have gone there to the Buddhist statue place and been like, well, if God wants to do something here, now's a good time. Okay, God. But instead I said, well, let's worship. And then I took the risk and said, can I tell you about him? And then boom, God showed up. I did like 1% of the work. God did 99.99999% of it. He brought the people. He brought the 40 of them. He brought the exact right man. He brought all of it together. He brought the people, uh, the 80, right? He healed the deaf ear. He spoke audibly to the Buddhist monks. He did all of that. But what's crazy is he didn't do all of that until we did our little 0.00001% of stepping out and compelling people to come. Stepping out and risking it. And isn't it amazing? All that power of God was bottleneck in this little thing called my free will. And if I step out, whether he backs, up, backs me up or not is dependent on if I step out or not. And this is how it always is. Adam and Eve, from the get-go, they had a choice. God said, you have all authority. Take dominion. The world is yours. Go for it, right? But you have a choice to leave me if you want. And their free will, they chose to no longer partner with God. Noah, right? God, he says, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to send animals to you, right? I'm going to do all of this. You, though, need to build the ark. Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a nation. Don't worry about it. I'm going to bring you a child. Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a promised land. Don't worry about it. But you need to start walking and leave home. David and Goliath, I'm going to defeat the Philistines. I'm going to show up in power. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to save you from the enemies. But I'm looking for anyone who will stand up against Goliath. And it looks like the only brave one is a kid with a rock. I'll use him. He's looking for the ones who will partner with him and not be passive and say, well, if it's God's sovereign will, then it'll happen. He's looking for the, even the little kid with the rock who says, you know what, God, use me. I'll take the risk. And he's like, you're the one I'm gonna use to take down Goliath. In the story of Moses, Exodus, uh, you guys have heard of the story of Moses before, right? We've seen Prince of Egypt. Great movie, so good, right? Just so good, right? But Exodus 3, verse 7, 
It says this, this is God talking to Moses. He says, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cries. So God's saying, I heard, I've seen. I know their sufferings. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and, I, and bring them into the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. So he's like, I I've heard them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to do this. So then he does this. He says, so come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God's like, I'm going to do all of this, but it all hinges on the fact that if you go to Pharaoh. I'm going to do over 99% of the job, but only if you walk. And Moses gives all the excuses, but I stutter God. Is it five times in that one sentence right after this? He, he denies it. He's like, God, I, I stutter. I can't. He says, God, uh, I'm a bad public speaker. And God says, it's okay. I made your mouth, right? I can hijack it and put words in there for you if you want. You know, like I made it. And he's like, but God, I'm scared. He's like, oh, it's okay. I'm with you. But God, I'm, but God, but God, but God, but God. And every time God just shuts it down and says, no, no, no. Like you're not a victim. No, I'll be with you. You have to go. God's plan, God's power, God's desire, God's will. But it's up to you if you're going to partner with him or not. And if Moses said, no, I'm not going to do it, God would, he would have eventually had to find someone else. It's like in the story of Esther. He, says, he straight up says to Esther, if you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else. But how do you know you're not supposed to be the one? He's looking for you to partner with him. And, and then I love this. This is what happens. Moses says, what am I going to do? And he, God says this. He says, what's that in your hand? <laughs> and he says, a staff, because he's a shepherd, right? So he's, it's a staff, God. And he says, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. Well, yeah, like he threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake and he's like, bah, right? Like he's freaking out. And then, it's, and then he says, but the Lord said, put your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. And then it says that they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, has appeared to you. So he basically says this, take, take, the, take the, the staff, throw it on the ground, and then he freaks him out. He shows him his power, and then he brings it back, and he says, don't worry, I'm going to do this with you. I'm obviously power. All you need to do is be the one to release the staff. Exodus 14, 15, it says, the Lord said to Moses, this is, uh, or no, I'm sorry, back up a little bit. So he goes in and then he basically, you know, the plagues, all the plagues that break out and everything like that. Every single time, if you look, it's the exact same thing. God says, stretch out your hand, stretch out your staff and command that like the frogs come and then the frogs come, right? And then he says, now to stop it, stretch out your staff and command it to stop. And he stretches out and it stops. And he does the same thing for the hail, the same thing for all, every single play, the water turning to blood, all that stuff. Every single time, God does all the power, but he waits until Moses partners with him and stretches his hand out. Moses does not even 1% of the work. Moses literally just goes like this and then says the exact thing God told him to say. And then God does it. And then it doesn't stop until Moses commands it to stop. Time and time and time again. All he does is he's just doing this back and forth. Putting his hand out, putting his hand in, putting his hand out, putting his hand in. And it's rocking Egypt. 
But all of that hinged on whether or not Moses would obey and just stretch out his hand, stretch out his staff. And then here comes the climax moment, you know, the, the moment in Prince of Egypt where all the music's playing and it's crazy and it's epic and the Red Sea splits like that, that moment. Right here, Moses cries out to God and says, you brought us out here to die, God. We're gonna, he's seen all of that and now he's still the victim saying, you brought me here to die, right? You're like, come on, dude, you just saw all this crazy stuff, right? But this is what God says. He says, why do you cry to me? <laughs> Love that. He says, tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. He says, hey, whoa, don't cry. You're not a victim. Do the same thing we've been doing all along. Just partner with what I tell you to do and watch how I save everybody. And then verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. That phrase God said, stretch out your hand. And when he said, and when he did it, it happened. It's like dozens and dozens and dozens of times. It's the divine strategy of God. He says, just stretch your hand out. So the reason I bring this up is I believe this is God's call to man. Are you partnering with God? So many of us live a self-centered life that says, it's not my job to change my city. It's God's job. It's not my job to change my school. It's not my job to change my work. It's not my job to change my family. It's not my job. And we victim put it on God. And I wonder if he says, hey, wait, stop crying. Partner with me. Stretch out your hand. Do something with me about it. That's not, because it's not true. God will do 99.99% of the work. He will. It's his power. But the limiting factors, if you will partner with him or not. If you do not partner with God for San Marcos, San Marcos will never change. If you do not partner with God for your work, it will never change. Will you take the risk like Moses did? Will you take the risk? All these Bible heroes, the one thing they did is they took the risk and they stepped out. All David and I did is we took the risk and stepped out and God showed up. But so often, I believe the hinge point why revival doesn't break out is because the Christians aren't willing to take a risk and step out. It's not your pastor's job to change your work environment. It's up to you to partner with God. Somehow we made our school, our job, our comfort, our money, our future, we made it all about us and we, we blinded ourselves to what, does God want to do there? Because what, what happened is somewhere along the way, we, we said, I'm just passing through school. I'm just passing through work. This is just an elective, right? I'm just doing my time to get through so I can get my degree. How do you not know that God heard the cries of his people so he sent you? How do you not know that there's a student who's suicidal and needs to hear from God? who's in that random elective class because they have no idea what they want to do with their life. And that's why your schedule did not work out. You did not get the class you wanted. You had to take a stupid elective and sit next to this person because God heard their cries. So he sent you. But because we're so focused on me, 
we sit there pouting that I'm in the stupid class and we miss the divine opportunity right next to us of why God sent us there in the first place. So many of us, we think that I'm doing this stupid job so I can just pay the bills or I'm doing this job just as a temporary thing so that I can build a resume or so that I can move on to the next job. And in doing that and making it this temporary thing, we've blinded ourselves to what God wants to do there. How do you not know that God heard the cries of his people and so he sent you to that job so that you could be the one to partner with him, stretch out your hand and change the work environment there? If you go into a work environment and it's dark, it's not God's fault and it's not their fault. You can't blame blind people for not being able to see. They don't even know it's dark. They're living in darkness. So, and it's not up to God to change it. It's up to you taking the risk to change it. And if you take a 1% risk, God will take the other 99 and show up. Not even 1%. I've had this happen at work where I just offered to pray for someone and then in the middle of work at this divorce law firm, people are just starting to get hit by God. Or I could sit there and I could complain and be like, the work environment's so dark. It's so hard. It's so oppressive. They all make fun of Christians. They all, they all hate me. It's so hard there, pastor. You don't get it. <laughs> right? And I hear this all the time. And I wonder if God says, hey, why are you crying? Stretch out your hand. Do what I've asked you to do and watch how I show up. So many people are like, oh, college is so dark. College is so hard. It's so, oh, pastor, it's so, it's dark, dark. Like, I know you've, you've, been, you've been to some dark places, but my college is really dark. It's real bad, you know? <laughs> and it's, I just wonder if God is like, well, I know it is. And I heard the cries of the people. So I sent you to that college. The reason you're going to the college is not for your degree, primarily. It's first because God chose you to be the missionary to go there. Right? You, otherwise, you think you're just passing through and whatever. It has no purpose. But God always has a purpose. So even if you're at Palomar, Miracosta, or, or Cal State right here, you're there first and foremost as a missionary of God because he heard the cries of his people, so he sent you. You're at that job. You're next to that next door neighbor. You have that roommate. You name it. All those things, you're there because God heard the cries. So he sent you. The the question is, are you going to be a victim? Blame God about how it's so hard for you. Blame the darkness for being dark. Or are you going to stretch out your hand and change it? That's the difference. And this is why we... We as a church are very missional. If you've been here for long, you've noticed. Because we believe it's our job to partner with God to see the city set on fire for him. This city revival will never come unless the people cry out for it. And what if there was a people saying, God, hit San Diego. And so the Lord sent Summit. What if that's why? Are we going to be a church that just sits here and just says, oh, it's so dark. We just need to hunker down, bunker in, 
hold it together till Jesus comes back. It's just gonna get real, real dark and then hopefully I get raptured out of it, right? <laughs> hopefully I'll eventually, I just gotta hang in there and not lose my faith until I die. Like there's so many people, they think college is just, I just need to hold on until I make it, right? Like it's so hard for Christians out there, you know? And no, don't cry. Stretch out your hand. This is what you're called to do. You're called to change it. You're called to be the light called to, to move it. This is why you are here. You're called to be like Moses. And we as a church, this is why we do things like the Dream Fest that just happened. Because we believe San Marcos is our city. God chose us here because he heard the cries of the San Marconians. <laughs> so he sent us and we saw a thousand people show up. And we saw over 300 get saved at the park right over there. And that would not have happened unless a small group of people stretched out their hand and said, okay, maybe God could use us to do it, right? We could sit here and be like, God, why fill our church with revival, God? What the heck? Why aren't you doing this? I guess it's not in God's will. Or we could say, you know what? It is God's will for people to be saved. Let's go do something about it. And then God showed up and brought a thousand people. And we were blown. It was too successful. We were like, we don't know what to do. This is too many people, right? He, we did the 1% and he blew it out of the water and did the 99. This is why we're doing night on the block tomorrow night. Because it's a little small group of people at a small college group saying, maybe we can make a difference. <laughs> and then last year, God sent 300 people. And all these people got saved. And people got healed. People got encountered by God. There's 1,500 students right here. Then there's another few hundred families right there. And we can sit here and say, God, if it's your will, you'll fill crux with college students. If it's your will, God. And if it's small, then we're like, I guess it's not his will. Right? Or we can follow the verse I read at the beginning where the master said, go out and compel them to come in. It was the master's house, master's feast, master's money, but it hinged on whether the servants would go out and invite people in or not, right? And so, are we gonna be people that partners with God to bring it or not? We plant the seed, do the watering, but God brings the growth, but he can't grow a seed that's not there. So it's up to you to throw the seed down so he can grow it. So Lord, we just, we ask that we would be a people that are no longer passive about your will. That, that we're not, we don't say, well, I guess if God wants me to do it, I'll do it or it'll happen. I don't have to do it. Lord, would we be a people that partner with you? As the servants partnered with their master and they ran out, would we partner with you and what you've asked us to do and would we go out? We don't want to sit here passively and just say, well, if it's your will, you'll fill the church. You trusted us, Jesus, and you told us it was your will. Therefore, go into all the nations and preach the gospel. You, you literally said, this is my will, so I need you to go do it. And so, God, we repent tonight for in any way we've been passive about bringing you into our jobs, 
bringing you into our school, bringing you, God, into our neighborhood, bringing you into the workplace. We're sorry, God, for, for the ways that we, rather than stoking our fire, we just said, well, uh, if God wants me to be on fire, I will be. God, oh, Lord, would we be a passionate people who stoke the fire of our faith and ignite the city around us, God. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, God. Thank you, Lord. So tomorrow night at the Night of the Block, if you, if you guys are there, even if you don't have a job, you do have a job. This is your commissioning right now. <laughs> if you're there and you see a lost person, don't be like, oh, well, you know, the, the crux team probably has something for that. Someone will probably talk to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my, my some more, <laughs> you know, because it, it's about me, right? Because, no, 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 you're a Christian. That means you're commissioned to be the one to go talk to them, right? That means what if God heard their cries, and so you're the one who noticed they're sitting alone over there because he heard their cries, so he's sending you. And so nine of the block, is completely dependent upon if you guys invite people and compel them to come. If we, the church, go out and compel people to come in, right? And so I believe God is going to blow it out of the water because we're showing him we're willing to do our 1%. We're willing, our 100% is like 1% really, you know, but we're willing to give it all. So I believe he's going to show up. Absolutely. He's always faithful to show up, right? But I want to compel you that it's not on me and the church. It's not our responsibility to make this thing work or bring revival. It's on us as the church together. It's our job to compel the people to meet Jesus. Right? So what we're going to do is I'm purposely going to end early right now, and I'm giving us an immediate chance um, to respond. And basically what we're going to do is last year we did like literally no advertisement really. Like I think the day of, we invited some people. Yeah, day of, right? But what we've been doing is this week, we've been giving out flyers all over the place. And, and God still, day of, we, did it, we just did it. 300 people came, right? So my thought, I was talking to some of the students here, and we were like, what if we get some people tonight, right now, and we send some into the quad, and we send some into the UVA for like 30 minutes, you know? You could be done before 9.30 even. You know, and we literally just invite people. We literally just do what the verse says, go and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. We want to see the lot full. So we need to read the verse and be like, that's me. I'm going to compel people to come then, <laughs> right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to split up and whoever can, um, Dom and Emily are going to lead people out to, what'd we say? UVA? UVA? Perfect. Uh, with Zach over here, the man, he, this man, um, they're, they're going to help lead us in with a crew of people. And we're just going to split up, literally just knock on doors and be like, hey, tomorrow night you're invited. Love you. And go, <laughs> go to the next one. You don't need to be some crazy like, and now's the moment you get saved, right? You don't need like, don't, don't be weird, right? You know, so what we're going to do is you're just going to invite them, compel them to come, right? And tomorrow we're presenting the gospel to them. Same thing with Aaron here. Aaron, raise your hand. The man, Aaron, right here, he, he is going to take a couple people, right, with, um, I'm going to commission 
David and Joel to go with Aaron, okay? And then the other Crux leaders, if you guys can help break up with the teams too. And um, they're going to go into the quad right here and just knock on the door and say, hey, here you go. You're invited, okay? It's, I know it's 840 or whatever, and it's going to be till 9, but you'll be done by like 915, 920. College students are probably still awake, right? Zach, is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah, they're up till one, right? It's like afternoon for them right now, right? You know, so <laughs> they're just waking up, right? So this is morning time for them, no, right? So if you can, um, uh, we're gonna split up the crew and uh, we're gonna try to take a half and go over there and half go this way. And we're gonna take it upon ourselves to say it's our job to compel them to come, okay? And we're gonna do that. And I'm gonna say only like 30 minutes. We're not gonna hit the whole thing probably, um, but we're just gonna do as many as we can. And if you can go in twos or threes, and we're not going to have five people at the door, you know, two people, right? And just just go down and take different floors and different ones. And we could easily get tons if we split up and do that, okay? And we have little invite, little tickets. You can give them as well and just invite them to come. As well as tomorrow, for those who are able to, from f- about 5 o'clock, volunteers are meeting here. And we're going to do all the way up until about 30 minutes in. We're going to try to go across and compel them to come. Be like, smell that food? Come right now. You know, like, you hear that? That's music. Come right now. And we're going to do that. So if you want to sign up and be a part of that as well, um, come tomorrow at 5 o'clock, okay? But everyone else, we love you. And, uh, yeah, if you can stay, please help us. And, uh, but if you can't and you have to go home, it's okay. But what we're going to do is, so Dom and Emily, you can come over here. Joel and David, come over here. And if you want to go with the quad, and, or if you want to go to the UVA, go with them, okay? We'll have Aaron, right, go this way. Zach, go that way. And we can split. And I want to encourage you guys, even if you give 10 minutes or whatever, 15 minutes, that's awesome. But, Lord, we ask that you bless this time. God, we ask that we, uh, you'd give us boldness and confidence, Lord, and that people would just hear the invitation and that they would come, Lord, so that they can encounter you and they can be saved. We want to partner with you for the campus. We cannot say, God, bring revival to campus, uh, not through me. Lord, we just we say, no, 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 no. God, bring revival to the campus. Bring revival to this city through us, even if our 1% is just inviting people to come, God. We ask that you would use us. We love you, Lord. And I ask that this week, Lord, as we might not get a chance to talk afterwards, this week, Lord, every person here is commissioned in Jesus' name to be the ones to partner with you into their work, into their class. I want to encourage all of you in school, lean over to the person next to you and talk to them because maybe God heard their cries and sent you, right? That's why you're there. I want to encourage you at work, lean over to that coworker, talk to them, encourage them, bring them to Jesus. Maybe God heard their cries, so he sent you there, okay? So you are commissioned as missionaries to go out this week and partner with God. Is that good? Come on. Awesome. Amen. All right, guys. So, hey, break up with these two crew, these crew, and they'll give you more details as they go over there. And, um, yeah, I think we're only going to go to, like, maybe 930 even, like, not crazy late. But if we all do it together, we'll be done real quick, you know. So, yeah, go for it, guys. And we love you. And all of you, though, you're totally, uh, if you can't go, no worries. You are invited tomorrow night to the Night on the Block We will see you at 6 o'clock, and we're back on for church and, and crux next week, same time. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.